This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 214, and tonight, all aboard if you dare, because we're taking a ride, baby. So come on, ride the train, you can ride it. Uh, Come on, ride the train, it's the terror train. Yes, we are talking about the 1980 slasher classic, Terror Train, starring Jamie Lee Curtis. And I'm going to be joined by not one, but two of my former castmates or, you know, uh, production mates from the Underpants Godot, Duncan Flaster and Mark Eugene Garcia, who are also here to pimp out their brand new movie, Strapped for Danger. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's going to be so much fun, I hope. So for those of you who are joining us for the very, very first time, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and I'm your host, and I am going to be your guide for the next hour and a half or so through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But, there's a catch. You're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. (gasps) What does that mean? I don't know, but you're going to find out one way or the other. What? So what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Okay, things are difficult here at the moment. Uh, Some of you know, I've been vague posting on Facebook quite a lot about certain problems that are going on that up until yesterday I have not been allowed to talk about because it has taken a very long time for me to file the police report because I did not have all the proper information yet. Oh my god, Patrick, what does that mean? Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Now, some of you might remember in the last few episodes I mentioned that I let my friend Paul stay with me. While he was looking for new housing, he had suddenly become homeless through no fault of his own. And as I have done in the past, I let him stay here while he, you know, tried to fix his situation. I've done this for people in the past and it has always worked out well. Well, it didn't this time because it turns out Paul is a thief. I had gone out to the theater with Doug Shapiro. We had gone to see Bright Light, uh, bright Colors, Bold Patterns, which I had already seen. But I took Doug to see it, and while I was there, I got a notice from my credit card company saying that there were suspicious charges. And when I investigated, there were almost $900 worth of suspicious charges on that card, which I then realized was missing from my wallet, and I thought maybe I had lost it. Maybe it had fallen out and I was taking out my Metro card to get on the subway. But in the days that followed, when I started doing research on my other cards just to make sure that they were okay, I thought they were in my wallet. They must be fine. They weren't fine. 
there were all kinds of internet chargers and lift rides. Then there's another two hundred dollars uh, in chargers there. And shortly afterwards, Paul disappeared. I was already suspecting him, but when I went to the police department the first time, they said I needed documentation from the bank. Uh, I needed an affidavit from the bank and official letters, and that took a long time for me to get because there's three banks involved, and none of them want to give out that information willy-nilly, unfortunately, and so it was a fucking nightmare. But in the interim, Paul went out one night, and he never came back and left all his stuff behind. And since then, he's tried to open up credit cards in my name, but uh, I'd already put a freeze on my credit statement, credit report, and all that stuff, so he cannot get anything else from me. And granted, it doesn't look like I'm going to be charged for any of this, but who knows at this point? Who knows how any of this is going to go? So this is where I've been. And I'm pissed off. This is why I said on Facebook, be careful who you're nice to, because apparently if I had done a little research, if I had called some friends of mine who also knew him, because that was the other thing we have, you know, mutual acquaintances, that if I'd asked any of them, they would have said what they told me after the fact. They said, oh my God, are you crazy? Don't let him into your house. He's a huge thief. I didn't know. He was funny. He was charming. It was never sexual, by the way, just so you know, just so you know. And... He, he kept great house. He cooked. He did everything. He was he was great. And if they're listening, Scream Queens of the Week last week, Mark and Lindsay, I think I probably owe an apology to you because I got a weird text from them after they won Scream Queen of the Week asking about him that they went silent afterwards when I answered. I think that maybe he might have screwed them out of some money as well. I don't know what happened, but it's just a hunch that I have because, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, the old story of the scorpion and the frog. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. It's stupid. And the thing that really gets me is that Smoochie loved him. I said that she let him rub her belly for minutes and minutes and minutes on end when I can't even get near that fur trap without losing a finger. And now, like I said, he left all of his stuff behind, which I've now put into bags and is sitting by the door at night. She goes over and sits in the bag and cries for hours. You little fuck. You rob me, that's one thing. You make my cat sad, that really makes me angry. And I have to apologize to my guests for this episode in advance. Because I was not myself when we recorded. I have not been myself since any of this has started. I have not slept properly for a single night. I've been having horrible, violent dreams where I'm usually causing horrific violence on people. What big surprise. I'm angry. Hi, Smoochie. She just came over to say hi. And when we recorded this episode, this is where we were in the process. This was shortly after Paul Kennedy disappeared from my home 
and it had become clear that he's not coming back, and it was clear that he was, I don't want him back. I'd call the super to change the locks. He was not going to be available to change the locks till the day after we recorded. So while I was recording this, I had moved my whole setup to be right in front of my front door. Because if that knob started to turn or if I heard keys jangling in the lock, I would be ready. I sat there the whole session with my phone next to me, pre-dialed to 911 and also a billy club to beat the shit out of him if he tried to get into my house again. So that's where my head was when we were recording. And as a result, I don't treat my guests particularly well. I don't follow the format that I normally follow when I do a show. So I had to go back and do a lot of fixing. I had to insert some stuff, and I had to move some stuff around and take stuff out completely. And I think we still got a good episode. But I can hear in my voice that I'm a little too fucking on edge. That I'm pretending to be okay, but I'm not okay. But things are fine now. The police report has been filed. The locks have been changed. His stuff is still here. This is what's bothering me. Uh, this is something I kept trying to bring up with the police, but they don't want to hear this point at this, at this, they don't want to hear about this part at this point. Uh, that will happen later. But I told them I have all this stuff here. What do I do with it? I got a text from Paul a few days ago saying, rambling on about some grandfather who was dying and that he would be home that night. And I texted him and I said, you were not welcome in my house anymore. Any attempt. Uh, you know, the locks have been changed and a police report has been filed and any attempt to get into my house and I will not hesitate to call 911. And I put all the bags of his stuff out in the hallway since he still has the keys to get in the building and I can't do anything about that. I piled it all up outside the door and I said, take your shit and go. You better get it quick before the neighbors get to it. That was days ago. I can't leave piles of crap out in the hallway. And I'm also wondering, I know I watch enough Judge Judy, that technically, he, if like he doesn't get charged with anything, that he can go back and say that I stole his stuff. So I'm waiting for police advice. Like, what do I do? do how long do I keep this stuff? They already said that if he contacts me to get his stuff, that it is more than okay for me to call 911 and have a police officer here while he picks it up. Which says to me, he's never coming here, but, you know, whatever. Well, it'll all get figured out, but the fact that there's this huge reminder of my fuck-up, of my victimhood, sitting in my living room, in front of the front door, that not only causes me misery to look at, but makes my fucking cat sad, too. And I have to deal with every day, and the fact that every time I go outside my door, I have to look around to see if he's looking, lurking around in the stairwell somewhere. That every time I walk up to the building at night, I have to do a big scan up and down the block to make sure that he's not around somewhere. It's pissing me off. And it affected not just me, not just the cat, but it affected my recording of this episode. So I do apologize to Mark and Duncan for that, but I think we still got a fun episode ahead of us. So I think that's enough of what's been going on at Scream Queen's headquarters, because to be perfectly honest, since all this started... When I first got the notice on December 7th, this has been my entire fucking life.
And now that I've talked about it on the show, this stupid secret that I've had to sit on until the police reports were filed, I think I can breathe easy again. And what better way to celebrate one's newfound freedom and peace of mind than climbing aboard an antique train with a serial killer on board? (laughs) What the heck, right? So everybody, let's put all that ache in the past, enjoy the episode, and let's celebrate because... In this particular horror movie that's happening in my life, I made it to the final reel, bitch. Woo! Chugga chugga. Woo woo! Chugga chugga. Woo woo! Getting on the train, the terror train. I already sang that to start this show. My God. Everybody take off your mask. Hey, 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 take it easy, man. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Stay with your date. I don't want to get back on that track. Nobody does. Help! Please! Nice gag, dude. You'll die. For the students aboard, it's going to be the one party to end them all. They're always walking out of my parties. But this time, you can't. big college party. It's a joke. Goddamn practical joke. Train. I don't want to get back on that So while it might be fun to crash a New Year's Eve fraternity party on an antique excursion train, it would be a real bummer to do that by yourself. I mean, how creepy, how sleazy. No, 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 no. Best, best to bring along a couple of really spunky friends. And when I say spunky, I mean spunky. One is an award-winning playwright, controversial calendar pusher, and legit spent the day fighting off Nazis. And the other is a New York City-based actor who recently set the ABC network ablaze with his mono, a mono kiss. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please allow me to introduce to you Mr. Duncan Plaster and Mark Eugene Garcia! Hey, everybody. Hey there, how's it going? I'm so happy to have these guys in the show because we had a technical disaster last time. Really happy to be here. Oh, I'm very happy to have you both at the same time. Just the three of us. <laughs> we can make it if we try. That's not how the song goes. So, 
time. You're new to the show, so my listeners are wondering, who the fuck are these two, and what did all that nonsense mean? So since, since I mentioned you first, Duncan, since you're that playwright, why don't you tell the folks who the hell Duncan Flaster is? Uh, well, I'm a New York playwright. I've been uh, doing plays for about 15 years in uh, in the city, and uh, happy to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you I- yourself were in... Uh, my play, The Underpants Godot. Which... Oh, yes. They've heard all about The Underpants Godot. They yes. know everything that happened at The Underpants <laughs> Godot. All that stuff Roberto did and said, that trash. They know everything. He's trash. He's he trash. is trash, and we love him. And what is this stuff about a calendar? Oh, I, uh, run, I run the Naughty Jewish Boys calendar, which is a pinup calendar for uh, people who like to see uh, Jewish men without clothes on. Yes, that is that is a big, that is a big thing with Duncan. Duncan, Duncan, Duncan. Duncan. Duncan, yes, as in, and and Nazis took over your site today, your Instagram feed. Yes, it was crazy. So I was not kidding when I said Duncan spent the day fighting Nazis. Yeah, and I'm sure Mark, your 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 <laughs> your day's gonna live up to that, right? You fought Nazis today, right? You did amazing things fought, today, right? I fought no Nazis. I'm a little jealous. Um, I my day was pretty quiet. Um, I don't get many of those that often, but it was a really nice quiet day that had no Nazis in it. So. Uh, Kudos to Duncan for fighting. And Probably a good day, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you did a good job. You did a good job fighting those Nazis. But we're not talking about you, Duncan. We're trying to talk about Mark. Stop muscling in on his <laughs> no, moment. I was saying his day was better because there were Sans Nazis. Oh, Sand Nazis. Sans, Sans. Oh, okay. You spoke French. Oui. Ooh, you know what that does to me, Morticia. Anyway, uh, so back to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you, you work someplace pretty cool in Times Square, don't you? I do. I work at a museum of miniatures called Gulliver's Gate. And so it is a entire world, but shrank, shrank down to really, really tiny. And so I kind of uh, tour people through there, and I have an army of navigators who will also do the same thing. That is very cool. But you know what? If you're going there expecting to see it, Mark is actual size. He's like normal size. Right, uh, right, right. Mark is not a teeny – he's not a Lilliputian. <laughs> I try not to be. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I mean, we'll never, no, I know I've seen you naked, so you're definitely not having a real appearance. You know, it's a, it's a Godot <laughs> thing. Okay, it's a Godot thing, okay? But so I bought naked. It's a thing. I'm sorry, nude, because naked is dirty. Nude is art. I forget <laughs> my own rules. Anyway, <laughs> so, Mark, they're probably all wondering, what did you do on the ABC Network? That was so hot and steamy. Oh, the ABC Network was awesome. I got to uh, kiss, at that point, my fiancé, now husband. Um, but it was all because Christian Bale reunited my high school drama class, and we all got together after 20 years and remounted our high school musical of Into the Woods, all playing the same parts all over again. Yeah, and that was called Encore? It was called Encore. We had seven days to do the whole thing all over again it's, in front of the cameras and our families. It's still on ABC On Demand if you want to see this handsome mug in action singing and dancing and slurping on his man. And Hulu. And Hulu as well. Oh, you're slipping on Hulu yes. as well? My goodness, you slipped oh, yes. Yes, that is awesome. <laughs> My friend Allison, who guests on the show all the time, was so insanely jealous because she is so in love with Kristen Bell. She wanted to kill you. Sweet. She wanted to she's kill you, and she's never met you. Oh, well, that's, I feel like a lot of people kind of have that relationship with me. But um, she was super sweet. And the hardest part about the whole show was trying to keep it under wraps for like a year and a half because we filmed it so long ago. Yeah. And they just had to sit on that wondering if it would ever happen. Well, you don't mind sitting on things. And what? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and we're back to your jewelry that they didn't hear about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that was before. Sorry, guys. That will be stuff on the Patreon feed perhaps. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you guys actually 
got your butts off the stage and onto the screen lately. Am I correct? That is true. Uh, my first film, Strapped for Danger, is now available for uh, purchase. Uh, People can watch it. Yeah, and it has been getting fantastic reviews. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and uh, what were some of the choice ones that they say? Oh, I don't have them on hand. Well, the one I remember is like, it's got tons of inappropriate nudity. I said, of course, it's a Duncan Flaster production. How can it not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what is the story? The of thing Stra- is, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, inappropriate nudism is the, is the correct word. I think Duncan's work is always appropriate nudism. Yeah. Uh, you're right. You're right. It's absolutely right. Long silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awkward crickets. Um, well, it's more <laughs> mandatory than anything else. <laughs> It was weird how you worked it into that children's play that you wrote, but it was totally appropriate. Hey, it was three little pigs they were asking for. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, oh. Okay, it was a genre mashup. I love it. Yes. In any case, my film, Strap for Danger, is about three male strippers who uh, pull a heist on the place they're working when they find out their boss is cheating them out of their tips, and uh, they kidnap a hot cop and then have to hide out in a frat house during pledge week. Yes. See, I ordered the DVD. I have not gotten it yet, but you guys... I made... haven't gotten mine either. Oh, and you made the damn movie. But yeah, but I, I, bought it. I bought it, so I was hoping to have seen it by now because this well, shit has been going on here that you don't need to know about, but Vimeo was not going to happen this week. But and it is available on Vimeo On Demand for, uh, I think, $4 or $6, depending on when you want to buy it or uh, rent it. And oh my gosh, what do we have right here? We have audio from the trailer. What? I'm sorry. I don't think I can do this. You need to gather a little courage. A little spunk. In case you hadn't figured this out yet, this is a motherfucking robbery. You're gonna give us your clothes. Put them in the bag. Wallets, cell phones, everything. Freeze! They have kidnapped Officer Pence and they will pay for that! Hey, those are my pants! Lips for days. I like what I like. The Wang wants what it wants. <gasps> Holy shit, we're gonna need a bigger lens. There's nothing to be afraid of, boys. This will be your moment of glory. One vein on that beautiful cock. It's not gay. It's discipline. Oh, spoilers! Never send a bottom when you need a top. Hey! Well, guys, that looks like a ton of fun. I can't wait to see it. And if I get my DVD before this episode goes out, I will be splicing in my review of it. Excellent. Nice. Which I will already tell you would be glowing and also possibly gushing. I'm back to gushing. It's a theme. It's it's my word <laughs> du jour. I'm pretty sure the movie will make you gush. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, I was very. I'm like Duncan was like the first thing I saw in the trailer. I'm like, oh my god, the playwrights in the movie. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, the screenwriters in the movie. What's happening? Okay. Yeah, they gave me a cameo with the strip club scene. Of course, it's the strip club scene. Okay, the one thing, guys, I did not mention that might be a possible thing is interruptions by a 25-pound cat. She is about to act up. I have to take my headset off for two minutes to go feed her or find out what the fuck she wants. Please feel free to talk amongst yourself, and anything you say can and will be used as bonus material. I'll be right back. 
Let's talk about Patrick then. <laughs> and I, I'm I, back. Oh, oh, sorry. No, with uh, uh, oh, we were just getting to the good part. Yeah, we were. I oh, put, well. I'm putting my necklace back on. I ruined things. There you go. Podcast <laughs> cock block right there. Oh God, the cat's just like, why are you talking to those strange man and not looking at me? You know, my cat does that whenever I Skype with anybody. Like my cat decides that that is the moment he wants attention. Uh huh. Yeah, it happens every time I have guests on. They're used to it. It's a thing. It's how she gets on the show. <laughs> like, she doesn't get talked about enough. Okay, so the movie that we are talking about today is the 1981 classic, considered by many, Terror Train, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, brought to you by the fabulous country of Canada. 20th Century Fox invites you to join the boys and girls of Sigma Phi for their annual New Year's Eve party. This year is a masquerade on wheels, and the person behind you could be your best friend or the last person you see on Earth. Experience the most terrifying ride of your life on the Terror Train, rated R. Starts October 3rd at a selected theater near you. And this was a listener request. Actually, it's a Patreon request from listener Steve. He's the first person to buy into the tier level that lets you take over the show for the day. So, Steve, this one's for you, and thank you for your support. I hope we do it. Well, thank right. you, Steve. Yeah. Well, thanks, Steve. Yes. Okay. Now, since you guys are the guests, it is the job of one of you to give me a 30-second elevator speech plot summary, basic plot summary of the story of Terror Train. And I think I'm going to pick any mini. Miney Mark. <laughs> um, so Terror Train is kind of a revenge flick um, about a killer who is pranked on in college and he goes about taking revenge on all the people that were in on it while on a trip on a train. Perfect. Done. Well done. <laughs> but not just any trip on a train. Well done. Not, not so much well done. <laughs> but... You know what? I'll take it. I'm not fussy anymore. <laughs> you hit all the bases good enough. Great. <laughs> I don't need to enjoy it. Yeah, that was good. That's the very basic plot. The thing, the main important thing that you left out is that is a costume party Ah, yes. on a train. That is a very important plot because this movie has a gimmick. Which is kind of nifty, because given when it was made, this is pre-Friday the 13th, immediately after Halloween, so it, the, the fact that they came up with a something this clever this early in the slasher genre is kind of cool all right this movie it was directed by this dude named rogers i can't even read my handwriting i'll have to fix this in post rogers sportswood i don't know he's Spot. got some, it's short whatever spottiswood 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 spot is spot ew yeah i had spottiswood once i had to get shots <laughs> and boy did my butt cheek hurt <laughs> the topical creams aren't as effective <laughs> I always go for the injection <laughs> no, this is his first movie, but later he went on to direct 48 Hours and Tomorrow Never Dies, Turner and Hooch, and the very important LGBT movie, and the band played on. So that's pretty cool. Humble beginnings for this guy. Nice. Uh, and, I say, and of course, it's got everybody's favorite Scream Queen, the queen of Scream Queens, Miss Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely. Yes. For which she was nominated for a Canadian Academy Award. For Best wow. Actress in a Foreign Film. Yeah, she got a Genie nomination for this. This got three Genie nominations. Hello, this is Patrick from the future. 
Who has to interrupt my now and say that Patrick from the past just told you a lie that Jamie Lee Curtis did not receive a Genie nomination for this role? That was for her work on Prom Night. While Trump, uh, Terror Train did get five Genie nominations, it was all for technical stuff like cinematography and art direction, but not for any of the actors and none for Jamie Lee Curtis. And I needed to come back in my time machine and fix this so that Brian Norton wouldn't beat me up for spreading lies about Canada, because that's what he does. I mean, honestly, there were parts of this movie where I was looking at her going, damn girl, you are a star. She has moments in this that are just, she's magical. Yeah, she really yeah, is. She really stood out. She really yeah. stood out the whole movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And ever, not not in an I'm the star kind of way either. She's working as an ensemble, but still standing out. Yeah, like. Yeah. One yeah. of the things I hate in a horror movie is if I don't buy the relationship between the friends. If I don't mm. buy them as friends. And maybe all the, you know, the side characters were having their squabbles, but Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm like, I, I get how deep these relationships are for all of you. Mm-hmm. All, all of these people. And I think that's really cool, especially on a fluffy piece like this. She takes her shit seriously. Absolutely. And now she's back doing the genre again. Bless her little heart. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her little heart, making another Halloween. Come on, let it go. Just let how many it go. times has, has she been killed off in that series? Only once in part eight, because that was part. She was signed to do part seven and eight, and she said the only way I'm doing this part is if you kill me in the first five minutes. Jesus. <laughs> and, it is the, back. and it is yeah. the it is the well. It's because they're forgetting everything that happened between part four and part. Whatever this is. Anyway, are we talking about the movie? No, we're talking about this movie. So, Duncan, when the movie started and they're showing that initial frat party back in the day, mm. I had this initial moment watching it through yours, and I went, oh, my gosh. I hope Duncan's not upset that it's not a Jewish fraternity because I have those little beanies on. <laughs> no, I, I was familiar with Pledge B concept before that, so I knew they were not Jewish boys. I know, but I thought no part of it was disappointed. <laughs> Just a split oh, second. Oh, Although Hart Botchner is Jewish. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. And the son of Lloyd Botchner. There you are. From Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> and he had a great, he's still working. He's got a fantastic career. Die oh, Hard. Yeah, he was a, mm-hmm. Die Hard. He was the uh, love interest in Supergirl. Yes. Oh, I don't know if that's anything to rape about. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what I recognized him from. Okay, okay, yeah. And for genre fans, he was in the extremely unfortunate Urban Legends final cut, which was Terrible. Oh, I saw <laughs> that movie. I remember that. That's a terrible movie. I was really sad because I really liked the first one. I thought the first one was okay, but that one was just terrible. And he was just like, give me my paycheck, give me my paycheck, <laughs> give me my paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the red herring. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so... What happens at this frat party that sets everything in motion? Either one of you. Doc and his buddies uh, set up this kid named Kenny who uh, I guess they're trying to get all the pledges laid because they can't take their beanies off until they get laid. Yeah. And so they uh, set him up like thinking he's going to sleep with Jamie Lee Curtis. But then there's a dummy in the bed. Oh. But then it turns out the dummy is actually a corpse. Yeah. Because they're wacky Cause medical they're students. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I you did not pick up on the medical student thing until like 20 minutes after the corpse had already happened. And so I was not clear that it actually was a corpse until uh-huh. later. Yeah, I didn't get that. Because this is used, this for, for those of you who are old like me, this was one of those movies that back in the day was on HBO constantly. 
Hi, Future Patrick interrupting again. I just wanted to take a moment just to say, since we're talking about HBO, the commercial that they used to run for the movie on HBO, which I tried to find, had a tagline to it that I think was in the print ad, but not in any of the uh, trailers that I ever saw, either for TV or the ones that ran in the movies or on video. And that was, the boys and girls of Sigma Phi, some will live, some will die. And even at the time, that tagline kind of cracked me up because there's kind of a certain kind of sort of French ambivalence to it. It's kind of like, eh, I'm going to live, some will die, c'est la vie, whatever, let's drink Campari and get over it. Anyway, I just thought it was funny. Back to the interview with the boys back in the day where they had three movies a day and they just played them back to back to back every day for like three months at a time. So I saw this a million times. I was that way with Clash of the Titans. Yes, that was another one. Ooh, that was gosh, another one. Because HBO was new, cable was new, it was just on all the time because it was new. Right. So even if you didn't like these movies, like, you know, fucking Grease 2 or Charlie Chan and the Curse of <laughs> Dragon Queen, they're all part of my subconscious. And Xanadu, it's like they're terrible movies, but I love them because this weird HBO thing, they just forced them down my throat, and you know how I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you think I got cast? No, that's not true. That's not true at all. No, that's not true. My sheer raw talent did that of deep throating. Anyway, but, uh, anyway, I have a rule on this show that when things get diaphanous, shit is about to get real. Nothing really diaphanous happened in this, and this annoyed me, but I did notice that the curtains around the bed where the corpse was were diaphanous. <laughs> <laughs> and when he finds the corpse and he freaks – poor Kenny freaks out. First of all, this poor kid is like your classic nerd, just so dorky. And he strips down to his underwear and Jamie Lee Curtis is talking to him behind a curtain. You know, you know kiss me, Kenny. Get in the bed and kiss me. And he strips down to these like little pale yellow panties. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, girl. Oh, no. Girl, no. No. I mean I know the underwear game was not on fleek. In movies to like the mid '90s, but this was particularly bad. I'm like, he had girls' panties yeah, it, on. It, it was the times, but those were unfortunate. Though, uh huh, they, they were pretty bad. You it were was, not. It getting... was a, it was a moment of commentary when I first saw it. Yeah, they were really high cut on the side. I for a minute I thought they were girls' panties, but when we turn around, I know the cuts right when he f- faced forward. But whatever, that color, that that pale lemon yellow, ooh, <laughs> Kenny. Although it might have been a clue. I'm thinking that I, I, now that I. Looking back in hindsight. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get into that because my listeners had questions about how we're going to deal with that part of that. We have a a couple of good questions because that's another Patreon perk. If you are a Patreon and you have questions about the movie that's coming up, you can have them answered on the show. So if you get them to me in advance, which most of you didn't because I didn't think of this thing until like three days ago. Anyway, but that's not the point. Yeah, so when he gets caught up, he freaks out, and he's spinning around, and he gets caught up in those diaphanous things. I'm like, oh, the diaphanous things are symbolic of this madness. (gasps) So shit got real. Anyway. (laughs) So now we flash forward. The other person I think is who's funky in this cast, Ben Johnson, is our Loomis character or you know you know because back in the day back in the early 80s slasher movies and horror movies were a great place for a fading star to get one last movie in (laughs) yes yeah and this one belonged to ben johnson who was basically a stunt guy but also became a star in like gunsmoke and westerns and shit so he's an odd casting choice playing the conductor of the train but i dug him yeah he was really great it was Uh, i was reading online that uh 
I guess the cinematographer or somebody had worked with Pe- Ben Peckinpah back in the day, and that's how they got him. Oh, okay. They're like, hey, you want to do this? He was like, all right. Uh huh. I got nothing else to do. I got some time to kill. No, but again, like he, like he's the conductor of the train, and he's quite charming. Yeah. A lot of times you get the older guys coming in and they're like, "Blah, give me my whiskey." Blah. But he seems to be really into it too, which helps. Yeah, he's all trying to do card get card tricks, and he's very cute. Trying to be cool yeah. and everything. And by the way, that card trick that he does for uh, Doc and Mitchie, mm-hmm. I did at the Jekyll and Hyde Club for years. <laughs> I stole it from this movie. Now think on a card. Oh, now don't tell me. You got it? You got to concentrate on the day. <laughs> because it's the power of the thought that makes it rise to the top. I'll show you how to do that. Now what, what was your card? <laughs> Jack of Hearts. Not only has it risen to the top of the day, but now it has become... The Jack of Spades. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, sir. The Side one, note, Jekyll and Hyde and 44th? Yeah, the one – well, I did, actually, I did it at both. I did it at the one that used to be by Central Park and the one that was on 44th, the 46th. That's where That's when I'm uh, – where Gulliver's is. We took over your spot. I know. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> – Sorry. <laughs> and that's what uh-huh. this podcast has been about the entire time. It's all been a plot. It's been a plot to lure you here for my revenge. <laughs> hey, if you happen to see my two month paycheck floating around in there that I never got, could you please send that on to me? Thank you. I'll take a look for it. Yeah, that'd be I'll great. It's very small now. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Gulliver's. Anyway, yeah, so one of the things I dig about this movie that since it's early on in the slasher Boone and you know Friday the Thirteenth had it happen. It's not about gore. No, for a movie like this, there's very little blood, and it, for the most part, does try to instill its own sense of mystery. Because I mentioned this movie has a gimmick. Yes. What gimmick does it have? What am I talking about? Uh, the killer, since it is a Halloween or not a Halloween, a costume party on New Year's Eve for some reason. Every time he kills somebody, he puts on the costume of the person he has killed. Right. Right, which adds a fun. The next person in the yeah, yeah. Which as the movie goes goes on, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, did I miss one? Did I did I miss one? Is he signed in somebody else's costume? It tries that. It doesn't really succeed. And also having it on an antique train adds some class to it for some reason. Yeah, it was all uh, uh, Art Deco styled. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and they shot everything on the actual train a lot of the time when it was moving. And that for you know, for cinematography wise, I don't know how long it takes to reset up shots. I think they did a damn good job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now it's this big night. Everybody's getting on the train. You know what? For a New Year's Eve party, I thought it was a New Year's Eve party, but nobody mentions that in the movie, and midnight never happens. But in the film description on Amazon, it says New Year's Eve party, so I'm going with that. I always thought it was like a graduation party, or um, at least in, that's what I got when I saw in it. In January. Oh, never mind. Early grads. But then again, it's Canada. <laughs> it could have been June. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the, the uh, initial uh, taunting of Kenny also happens on New Year's Eve. Yeah, whatever. It's the same yeah. night. Whatever. Yeah, whatever New Year's Eve, they used to call it Hog Night. We find out later, and that was when everyone was supposed to uh, lose their virginity. Happy Hog Night, children. Uh, hog, yes. hog Night. That's right. That's what they used to call it. Big bonfire. All the pledges had to get laid. It's true. They had to abolish it. Something happened one year, and they had to kick a whole bunch of guys out of school. Well, almost kicked out. <laughs> Christ, did we do that? You're the guy? Oh, no, it wasn't us. It must have been somebody else. Yeah. Look, 
It was supposed to be a simple joke, and it sort of got out of control one year, that's all. Just forget about it. You want to know what really happened? Doc, yeah, please drop. We were freshmen. All right, it's Christmas vacation, and I got a job at the medical center, practically a janitor. So, I go into this lab one night that's unlocked, and there's this lady there, poor soul, who'd just fallen apart. Or, <laughs> yeah, literally. Now, I promised these dorks I was going to come up with something truly special. Yeah, really special. Put a kid in the hospital. Oh, I'm sorry, did I ruin your punchline? You tell them. You were there, remember? Why everybody's still at school on New Year's Eve, I don't know. Mm-mm. Whatever, 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 yep. whatever. Not really the point, and it doesn't really come up, so it doesn't really matter. The thing we learned really quickly is that the main dude in this, Hot Bachner, is that how you say his name? Hart Bachner, I think, yeah. Yeah, Hart Bachner. Yeah, I got my Hart Bachner on. Uh, he's got some issues. Yeah. So you're the one who's paying for all this. Oh, no. Where's the one with the bread? I've got all the ideas. For instance, guess what I put in the stuff I gave those dorks? You asshole. You can't have a good time without hurting somebody, can you? Is that why you told me it was your idea? Because I said I'd never go to another one of his fucking parties. Elena, they're always walking out on my parties. But this time, you can't. I'll get you for this one, Doc. I mean it this time. Yeah, he's kind of like watching it this time. I said, you're really kind of a sociopath. <laughs> the way he's like this puppet master with everybody. I mean, he, I mean, he's got friends, but he treats everybody like garbage. And one of the things my listeners want to know is, do you think that Doc was in love with Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend, Mo? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah there was, I think. There was definitely something implied there at a certain point that I was like, oh, is this going to go? But then it didn't. No, I really thought it was going to go there. As soon as he said, uh, when she, like, if, talking about if she was going to break up with him, he's like, well, you always have me. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just that like, was it. Like dead silence for uh-huh. a moment. I was like, okay, like, we, are we going here? All right, uh-huh. I'm in. She's still mad. Yeah, she's still mad. She'll get over it. You know, Doc? I'm not so sure this time. Well, if she dumps, you've always got me, you know. <laughs> I mean. But we never saw any more of that. No, yeah. no, no. And I had to say, I had a crush on Mo back in the day. Yeah. Another guy I who's worked, uh, uh, Timothy Weber, works constantly. He's on The Exorcist right now. He was on twice, uh, Once Upon a Time forever. He's in all the Planet of the Apes movies. So bless your heart, sir. Good for him. I haven't looked up to see if he's done any nude scenes, but I don't know if I want to go down there. I don't want to want to shatter my childhood like that. <laughs> but yeah, I think there was definitely something. But that, again, is a sociopath trait, too. Need everybody to love but me. Bisexuality? Is that what you're saying? No, yeah. no. Oh. But that whole thing, I need people to love me. And they play with love and affection, stuff like that. So I don't know who wanted who more, but whatever. And on this trip, there's entertainment. First of all, there's this band that is like the most low-key. Oh, yeah, Crime. Part of the crowd, he's always talking loud, and you never know what he's saying. The name of the band was Crime. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. They were like really very strange choice for a party, but I dug them in their own weird way. It added to the weirdness. But yeah, there's a nice funky song that I was like, I'm into this. I'm into it too, but it was not what I would have yeah. expected from an '80s movie. I would have expected some disco oh. or something, whatever. But whatever, not the point right now. But there is an entertainment act that nobody seems to have booked. 
<laughs> Who am I talking about? David Copperfield as the magician. Oh my god, he played a magician? No, the magician. Oh, the magician. You're right. the, the, only. O- the only magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had to say, he was wearing a lot of pancake. <laughs> Did you he notice that? You go, I was Duncan. familiar with his work in like the mid-80s. Uh, and like saw him live a couple of times, but uh, in this he looked almost like a woman. He was just so pretty, made up and pretty. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I get you're doing a show. Yeah. So you need a little makeup, but I know some of the other people had so, like some of the male characters had some serious lip gloss thing going on too. But whatever, that's fine. But no, him it was just like, girl, oh no, oh, oh, you're like, oh no. But the thing that I kept thinking of watching it now, I remember a good ten years ago there was that scandal. All these women came forward. That David Copperfield had sexually molested them after he hypnotized them in his act. I, I don't remember that. I remember. I remember that very well because I remember thinking, "Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you got out out of there, okay? I hope you did, <laughs> Jamie Lee, because he wanted you. He tried. He did. Uh, my favorite part with him is when he's doing like up close magic, and she's like trying to get to the peanuts machine with a quarter, and he does some close up. Ma- magic with the quarter. Excuse me. Uh, Can I borrow that coin you have there? Watch this. I take your cigarette and hold it up to your quarter. It'll seem to be sticking to it. Just like that. And if we keep turning it, it'll look like cigarettes penetrating the quarter, just like that. Could you um, take this lighter here and uh, light it up? It'll give you cancer. It's for effect. It's okay. Okay. You may have relatives in the old country. <laughs> this is the best part of all. If we take the cigarette and start to remove it, the quarter will seem to um, seal itself up. Great. Great. Thank you. Have you ever seen a quarter that um, allows a cigarette to go through it? No. Well, there's no such thing. <laughs> And then he makes it disappear. And she's like, hey. No one about my peanuts. Jamie Lee, we all know that your peanuts is, it, 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 it's more an internet rumor than actuality. Don't worry about it. Nobody <laughs> believes it. Nobody was talking about your penis. <laughs> so I was grossed out about the, the peanuts in general. I forgot that, I mean, do people still do that with a, like, you know, a handful of nuts for a quarter from a I, vending I've, machine? I've never seen it. That was, like, that was like a dive bar thing to do. And it was a weird thing to have at a party. Yeah, yes, just, I assume just, they were on the of, train, not part of the party, per se. Yeah, I get. You know what? You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, you're right. That probably was just there anyway. It just it just kind of struck me. I mean, I mean, this came out in 1980, but still, I was kind of like, whoa! I forgot about those. Yeah, that I was like, that yeah, I, I was a kid. Yeah, I remember having to go to endless like Fourth of July and Veterans Day parties at the American Legion with my family, and they had them there. <laughs> in that awful the place. That awful like place. that I was feeding the pigeons with it <laughs> yes you see them at petting zoos now yes yes so maybe there's a petting zoo car on the train i don't know that we never got to see speaking <laughs> of pe- that train. <laughs> speaking of petting zoos i did kind of enjoy there's a lot of side characters in here that are not targets one of the things i did enjoy about this is that this the killer is for the most part targeted yeah he's not there to kill everybody on the train he's got his victims and he's going to do what he needs to do to get them but there's a ton of other characters like the prez who's the president you know the 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 guy was doing the awful Jimmy Carter impression that went mm-hmm. on for like seven yeah. minutes. But, and these two gals, one of which 
was Vanity before Prince. Yes. And the other one is an actress. Do you know what her name is? Do you want to guess what her name is? Joy Bushel. Okay. Joy Bushel. She's a bushel of joy. (laughs) And she is. (laughs) I think she might be a long-lost relative of the Lander sisters. Nothing. Nobody. No, no. Come on. You don't remember the Lander sisters? They're on the love boat constantly. I've heard of them. I've never seen the love boat. How are you still alive? (laughs) Sorry. Joy was in the... Mark was in the fly, and look who's talking. Mark? What was that? Why are you still alive? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I was born in 1980, so I missed a lot of this stuff. I was a kid. Uh Uh-huh. I could have been born on this train. I could have been born on this train. That's true. Yeah, that's that's, okay. That's the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Just call me Terra Train. (laughs) Terra Train. (laughs) The other thing, the other question that I had from listeners was, I hope you guys love Mitchie because Mitchie's the best. That's not really a quest question. Mitchie is the best, though. I did like Mitchie. I did like Mitchie, too. Sandy Curry, rest in peace. Bless her heart. No, I enjoyed having a girl that was kind of, you know, hip and, you know, cool and kind of more sexually free than, you know, her, her other female counterpart, but not the slut. Right. Yeah. Hi, this is Patrick from the future again interrupting. I wanted to take a minute to talk about Mitchie because we didn't do this properly. And particularly Jamie Lee Curtis's relationship with Mitchie because this really is what hooks the movie for me. I said earlier that I really like the way these relationships are formed, particularly Jamie Lee Curtis handles her friends. Like I buy all of these friendships because Jamie Lee Curtis is the anchor, but I really like that very early on, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Elena and Mitchie have this scene that is very emotional, very genuine, and also technically passes the Bechtel scale, the Bechtel test, before the Bechtel test was the Bechtel test. Come on, I am going to miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You're my only girlfriend, you know that? You're my best friend, you know that? I am going to miss you like crazy. Oh, oh no. I'm just an easy cry, that's all. I can't let Doc see me like this. Where's the girls' room on this boat anyway? Hey, you? Mm-hmm. We're always gonna be friends. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now that I just listened to it again, it almost passes, passes, rather, the Bechtel test. Damn it, Doc gotta stick your nose in at the last goddamn minute. God damn it, Doc! ruining everything. I also think it's interesting that later on, after Mitchie is unfortunately killed, which still breaks my heart to this day, in the scene in which Jamie Lee Curtis finds her body when uh, Ben, oh, technically Ben Johnson, the conductor, found the body, and he's trying to keep her from seeing what's happened to her friend, her reaction to it is not your typical horror movie reaction, which would be to let out a big Jamie Lee Curtis scream at the sight of the body. No. No, her reaction is shock, and yes, horror, but also she is devastated. Mitchie? Mitchie? Let's sit down. Now, just wait a minute. Something happened to her? She didn't fall off the train, did she? No, ma'am. Now, listen to me, honey. She's dead. (laughs) 
I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You made a mistake. You can't be Michi. She's my goddamn best friend. Please. Which seems much more honest to me in a weird kind of acty schmacty way. And not just honest, risky. Because grief, genuine grief, is something you don't get in horror movies very often, especially slasher movies. I guess because it's too real. I guess that's why it's very rarely you see a funeral in these movies either. Anyway, I still wish we got more time with Mitchie, and it breaks my heart the actress isn't with us anymore, and... But hey, she'll live on forever in film, even if she didn't live in the film, either of the films that she was in. She's also in Curtains, by the way. She's the one who got a titty out, but that's neither here nor there. Back to the show! Oh, but they all did seem to have this weird revolving door sex relationship with each other, which I was kind of confused about. Frankly, I think that's Doc's influence. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He likes a revolving door. Really oh, cool. yeah. In his butt. But, okay, that got uncomfortable. Yeah, so. <laughs> Sometimes the doors revolve both ways. Uh, oh, and I realized I also forgot to mention that I learned in this movie that Ben Johnson's Indian name is Dances with Poorly Dubbed Cripples. Are you sure you won't go with us, man? With a bunch like that? Not on your life. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of his parts that I was kind of thinking were like a whole separate movie. Yeah, that was a whole separate was... movie where he's dancing with that woman in the office. It was kind of sweet and kind of cute, but also really uncomfortable at the same time. I was kind of yeah, waiting for her to come back as like walking, like as the killer. I am the I mean, killer. This is the first time I've seen this movie, so I was like, "Oh, maybe she was his mother, or like maybe this." I was waiting for her to come back as like the the secret killer. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I appreciate just the representation. <laughs> they don't have to be the killer just because they're crippled. No, <laughs> but they should be. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, it's a good. It's a better. Idea, it's but... a better part. Well, I didn't expect her to be crippled as the killer. I expected her like to be a secret. Like, she's oh, gonna sure, get sure, because crippled people can't be killers. That's what we're saying. How dare you? Well, yes, and and bisexuals are sociopaths. <laughs> Mark said it. I didn't. <laughs> the views of the guests of the Scream Queens Horror Podcast do not necessarily <laughs> represent those of its host. A lot of the side characters crack me up too. There's that that really weird girl that comes up to Jamie Lee Curtis and Mitchie. She's like, "Hi, Mitchie." Maybe after you move out, I could be your roommate. I just really love that girl. She was had she was had a completely she was like out of a John Hughes movie. <laughs> yeah, she's listed as Rabbit Girl. Rabbit Girl. That's just a rabbit. She's wearing a rabbit costume, right, the whole time. Yeah. Well, just that it's that hurts her only scene. Bunny girl. Ha, Mitchy. She kind of <laughs> said it like ha, Blair, which made me like her because anything that referenced the facts of life and Jerry Jewell is good. The facts of life was a TV show that was on in the eighties, Mark, with Charlotte Ray. It was about a bunch of girls that went to school together, but nobody died. But that's a whole thing. Never mind. I yeah, they, they took the good. They I took forgot the he's a baby. I do remember kind of remember the facts of life a little bit in the background. Uh huh. Well, you've made up your own girl. <laughs> you've made up your own. But that bunny girl is actually like a casting director now. That was her yeah. only. Movie as an accident, but, is yeah. she really? For yes. X Men, Day After Tomorrow, and for Timeline. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. 
Good for her. Working in the industry. Yeah. I love stories like that. Like, I covered this movie ages ago, the first nudie musical, which featured a number with dancing dildos. All the, all the men who played the dancing dildos are now, like, the leading agents and casting directors in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. And as the director said in the commentaries, like, the quickest way to get kicked out of your interview is to bring that up. <laughs> so just don't do it. The del- as, as Doug Shapiro, guess Doug Shapiro said, the dildo is not your entry point. Anyway, back to this movie. There are no dildos in this movie. Yeah, and one of the things I appreciate, too, it, it generates some suspense because the killer is not always necessarily killing all the time. He is stalking, and he doesn't necessarily kill you the first time he runs into you. So there's always that kind of, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Oh, she got away. Yeah. Jesus. It's you. You must scare the pants right off me. You are bad, Eduardo. What's this? Oh, that thing. Not only is that gross, but I know who gave it to you. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is looking for you who... You want to know who she is? Uh-huh. Well, that cute little thing. Now tell me, what's her name? Pet, that's it. It's Stone. Surprise! <laughs> Which I enjoyed, to a degree, because that's normally not what happens. Suspense! I've heard of this. Yes. Tell me more, but then stretch it out for a really long time. <laughs> I'll be on the edge of my chair. And we're back to dildos. Anyway, um, <clears throat> you don't know my setup here. You don't know what my podcasting setup looks like. That's <laughs> true. So why don't we jump ahead a bit? Because for the most part, it's a lot of you know party silliness and lots of magic and lots of fighting. Which David Copperfield reportedly did live for the people. Like they did not use any camera tricks. They brought him in to do like actual close-up magic for the people. Well, he made the Statue of Liberty disappear for real, Duncan. He can do anything. No, of course, but if you're making a movie that's going to have a magician in it, you could have done anything. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But they actually had him do real magic for the cameras. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I'm sorry. When I mentioned I was doing this movie on the Facebook feed, Mm -hmm. I was shocked. And how many people responded, how badly images of this movie still haunt them because it scared them so badly <laughs> as a kid. And I responded to one of them, was it the witch face at the window? Because <laughs> that's the one for me. <laughs> that's pretty scary. What I'm also impressed with, that uh, there is a scene where one of the characters, uh, Jackson, who's again still working, uh, and also the black guy, not the first to die, breaking rules, and Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis smokes pot. So breaking two Ooh. horror movie rules right there. When, when Jackson is killed, there's a whole thing where he's locked in a bathroom, the body's left in the bathroom, the conductor finds him, the conductor leaves to get somebody back, then the body's all cleaned up, and it's not a body, he's alive now. What the hell? There was blood there before. I could have sworn it. Something's happened. Some kind of practical joke. I love a killer who cleans up. Yeah, that was really impressive. There was blood all over that bathroom. He did and it he with, really clean. He did it with paper towels. <laughs> yeah. 
He cleaned the costume. He cleaned everything. And I love that. It's such a nice, polite touch. It's like the little extra. Oh, thanks. Something that would get you a bigger tip if I hired your service. Not that I ever would because that's against the law and also morally wrong. Well, do you have to kill the people before you clean up? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. Because if, then you, the... if you clean up, then kill the people, then you have to clean up again. Oh, that's true. That's just now, not efficient. Do you or the, do you or you're just the a... killer supply the bounty? Well, I think the president supplies the bounty, depending on what country you're in at the time. <laughs> True. And I don't mean the president of the fraternity. Okay, no more topical jokes. We stay away from politics here when we can avoid it. This is something, this is something, this is, this is just something stupid that I noticed, that in all of these Canadian horror movies, of which there were a slew in the 80s, they always seem to have to feature an American flag prominently at some point. Mm. There's a one when they first when they first get on the train and all the the main characters are running to that VIP lounge. They come running in with a giant American flag. Yeah, and the the class president's costume as the president uh-huh. is very presidential yeah, for he's, he's, America. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because I guess you know Canada. You know, no one's going to go see a Canadian movie. No. <laughs> what with subtitles? I mean, are you crazy? I mean, maybe now. Well, I know. I that, I'm just wondering. Like, what is the? I don't, I don't know why they all do it. They all do it. Again, this is another stupid thing that popped into my head this time. There was a point where, where Mitchie runs into who she thinks is Jackson. Because mm-hmm. he's wearing the big laser costume, but it's not. Yeah. It's Kenny. And she's, you know, luring him back to her birth. Her upper birth, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. She said, Have you ever done it in an upper birth, Jackson? And I had a flashback. Because I used to work with this girl for a long time named Helen Hutzel. Helen Hutzel had a prominent speech impediment, but they always gave her one line in every show that we did, and no one ever understood what that line was, and in Anything Goes, her line was, we're about to crown Miss Upper Birth, which came out as, we're about to crown Miss Upper Birth. <laughs> what? I said, we're about to crown Miss Upper Birth. Alright. And in Pippin, it was, Pippin in the Flame, Pippin. <laughs> if you're out there, Helen Hutzel, I miss you. <laughs> she was in on the joke, so it's totally fine. If she's out there listening, she's not mad at me. And if she is, well, you know, she's got a great plot for revenge right here in this movie. Uh, apparently, you can decapitate somebody with a switchblade really easily. <laughs> Yeah, that was impressive. That was yeah. impressive. And again, well, she didn't clean up after that one. I was like, fuck that. Nah. <laughs> what surprised me this time around is that we all know Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be the final girl. Sure. So I'm not spoiling anything there. That's what she does. It's all she does. Well, at that point. But the violence in her fights with the killer, some of it is really unnerving. Little touches. Like, there's a part they're rolling around on the floor and they're punching the shit out of each other and he reaches up to her herp earring. Yeah! And pulled yeah. it out through the fucking lobe. That was uh. completely unnecessary and visceral. <laughs> but there's lots of crazy shit in there and she stabs him in the face. with What do you call those things? Bill cancelers? Uh, uh, paper spike? Sure, paper spike. Damn, yeah. I, was like, I think oh, that's what I've called them, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not enjoy that. But yeah, there's some of the imagery there is great. No, I did not enjoy that. That was another visceral one. I was like, ah, I just yeah. went through his cheek, and I'm like, oh, it's in your mouth. Ah, unsanitary. <laughs> blah, all those old bills. Blah, coal dust everywhere. Blah, you're gonna get black lung, black tongue lung. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> fail. That was a complete fail. It was a complete and total fail. 
there's two separate battles. Uh, where she's fighting him in the witch mask, and he supposedly falls off the train, and, oh, well, we think it's over, but of course it's not. He's hanging on the edge of the train. And what happens is she goes to sleep, and everybody's watching her, and blah, blah, blah. And as she's sleeping, you see the witch mask appear in the window behind her, like clinging to the side of the train, and it is kind of nightmare-inducing, even though it's defying all the laws of physics and gravity. Yeah, suddenly the killer can levitate. He can levitate because he's got both hands on the glass. <laughs> How are you hanging on? Did that, did that? Does he still have the lizard hands on with suction cups? I don't know what's happening, but I didn't care. Right. Even even now, I'm going. I yeah, no, I don't like that. I don't like well, any of that. If it's David Copperfield, it would like answer all those questions. That but. would right. because he is the red herring mm-hmm. and, and the this. lizard. Yeah, because that's the one everybody's <laughs> suspecting is that it's David Copperfield, and he can levitate. He can, he can, but apparently, can he, can he just levitate other people? Oh, that's it. Well, let me just ask him. I'm sitting right here. Is David Copperfield? No, it's just Smoochie. <laughs> Hi, Smoochie. She's so mad at me. Talking to this dirty man. I'm laying here completely naked, and you're talking to strange men on the internet again. <laughs> Cats, what are you going to do? So why don't we just get into the killer himself, Kenny, the big reveal. Yes. The thing, well, now I'm looking at it in a different light. But at the time, when I, when I first saw it, what impressed the hell out of me is that it's right in front of you the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Did you, did you guys guess it? No. I, I did not. Duncan, is this your first time seeing it? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, no. I. Me too. I did not see that coming. Yeah. So uh, from here on out, here there lie spoilers. Spoilers. You've got five seconds. One and a two and a three and a four and a five. It's the magician's assistant. (laughs) There were a couple times looking at her where I was like, huh, magician's assistants are usually prettier than that. Yeah. But I did not put any of it together. Nope. 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 Mm -hmm. Nope. 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 And what I watching it now, knowing the ending, it's really cleverly shot and that she's never in focus. Or her back's yeah. to the camera. Oh, that's or the funny. wig's in the way. You never really get a good look at her. You get more and more as the movie goes on. But initially, you don't get to see much of her. So you just get used to her as the assistant. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, the movie is is what it is. And and when I first was watching it, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, cheesy 80s horror. Um, but then when the reveal happened, I was like, oh, I'm in it. This is, this is cool. <laughs> like, it really took me by surprise. And it made me just really appreciate the movie even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a shock. When when the, when when the the mask comes off and the wig falls down, I was like, oh shit, she's got a wig under another wig. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. And I was like, oh, that whole thing where she turned around to tell Kenny she was getting coffee, but Kenny was probably dead. He was dead already. Yeah, because yeah, she was oh. playing. She was playing with the sword. She's like, yeah, I'd use this one. It would work really well. Jeez, I was scared out there. I couldn't find you, and I'm thinking this wacko's gonna jump out at me any minute. Hey, I should have used one of these. <laughs> yeah, this would have done. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> you think about defending yourself against the killer, but no. No, no, no. And But back in the day, I thought, wow, that's incredible. Kenny really put that much thought into this that he went into, got into this whole relationship, got a job as a magician's assistant as a woman, as his greatest delusion. Because it turns out uh, that Kenny 
based on the yearbook that they find, was all into magic. Presto change all the same little shit. Good old Kenny Hamps. I knew I never liked magic. Magician? We'll sit tight when the train stops. We'll play a trick on old Kenny. They just right. didn't know him enough. Because he was just a freshman. It was only a few months. And he wasn't on the radar. Nobody cared about Kenny. Enough to know anything about him. Except that he was a loser. But turn out he was a big magician. You know, big into magic. And so this totally makes sense. And especially after having David Copperfield be the red herring this whole time. And but, I have to say, there's one moment right before uh, Doc is killed. Where the killer puts his hand on Doc's. And the fingernails are painted. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he looks and he at it's Mitchie. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchie. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's a joke. A goddamn practical joke. <laughs> yeah, no, she just she's just still painted from the show. Yeah. It, I, I, for a second I was like, maybe it's not Kenny. Yeah. Maybe it's That's some woman who's killing people. Maybe it's the crippled lady, right? Maybe it's the crippled lady. (laughs) Yes, you had that quick glimpse of her nail polish, clutching the arm (laughs) arm rails on her her wheelchair while they were dancing. Yes, that was the clue. No, no, but of course, watching it now, I'm going, oh, did this fall into the old trope? That Duncan you wrote about in the Underpants Godot, where if you have a gay (laughs) or trans character in your movie in the 80s, they have to be a killer? It's certainly up there, yeah. And this was before Sleepaway Camp, right? Spoilers. Yes. For that one. Yes. yes. Yeah. This is before that. And I guess it, I guess they are playing into that. But, of course, I'm still going, well, maybe it, wasn't, maybe it was the great – I'm still clinging on to my greatest delusion thing. I'm going, maybe, guess not. Maybe she was in a relationship with David Copperfield. Yeah. I was well. not entirely so this... clear on David Copperfield's involvement in any of this. No. No, me either. I don't think he knew anything. No, I think he was he was being played. Yeah, I think, again, it was some kind of, like, they're in a relationship. She's like, well, he's a dick, and I hate him, so I'm going to get rid of him, too. Or I'm going to use him to get this party. He's fucked this He fucked that fill-in magician that one night where I had to get my back waxed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that's unfortunate <laughs> that they went down this road, but it's still a great fucking twist. <laughs> yes. It was a good one, yeah. Because even at the end, I'm going, but does that mean he's a transvestite? Or is it because he still want, all he wants is that kiss from Elena? I don't know. But I mean, he go back to the beginning him. where you see him in those panties. Like, he's always been a cross-dressing magician. I guess. I guess. Or are they just bad Canadian panties? I don't know. <laughs> because we have had a history of bad Canadian panties in horror movies on this, con- on this podcast. And happy birthday to me. <laughs> Somebody steals a pair of Melissa Sue Anderson's panties. It's a major plot point. And they are the ugliest, beiges, embroidered with like roses and shit. They are nasty, nasty panties. It looks like you got your period or shat yourself. And both in these panties. And they're like feature. I'm like, why did you why, who who proved these? And you know, sometimes you just see like some like some scene in these early movies from the early eighties and some gorgeous girl getting down to her panties and you're like, oh no, oh, oh no, oh we got the full the bloomers and shit. <laughs> it really makes you appreciate people who make choices in costuming. Or they're just brown. I mean, but were there I mean, I wasn't I wasn't that interested in underwear at the time. You know, it was tidy whities all the time for me. So I don't know what kind of underwear choices were available at the time. <laughs> 
Maybe that's the best they had. Maybe that's all that was legally available in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> and for a Canadian movie, there's very few boots. Yeah, there was one from uh, Mo. Mo. But, uh... Mo slipped a few times. Yeah. Because that's usually my favorite part. He had a few stories, too. Yeah, sorry. 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 I'm sorry, Elena. I'm sorry. Yeah, all he wants, all he wants is he's got her trapped. She's at the table. He's got her arms pinned to the table, and he just wants that kiss. Kiss me, Elena. Kenny, I'm sorry. I never told you. I'm so sorry. You haven't changed. I saw your picture in the yearbook. I never knew you liked magic. I watched you tonight. You liked him. No. Kenny, you're better than he is. I'm sure you're better than him. I am. He didn't know how to cut a woman to pieces. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this, Kenny. Kiss me, Elena. Kiss me, Kenny. Kiss me. Kiss me. Kiss me. And she does, and that sends him back to a diaphanous land again, because we're flashing back to him get wrapped in up that diaphanous shit, which means shit's about to get real, and he falls off the train after Ben Johnson hits him with a shovel. And one of the things I hate about early 80s horror movies was that people had not really latched onto the concept of a denouement yet. Mm. They just end. It's like the, <laughs> the conflict is over, and we're done. Yeah, end credits. But what happened? We don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But yeah, but going back to uh, the first Nudie musical, I told Doug and Trey, who are my guest hosts, I'm talking to the listeners now, that uh, Joy Bushell, I really hope, is related to Joyful in some way, because it's pretty much the same damn character. Giggly, blonde, tits out, wonderful, just just so so silly, goofy, exploitive, weird, weird nudity in this one. Mom! What? <laughs> Here, Mom. <laughs> Weirdly placed nudity. Yeah. Like the There's nudity in this. Yeah, her boobs were out. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean they were out, but, but it was, was, it, was one to... of the, it was kind of like not really the focus. Yeah, it was not nudity. It was not in a, in an exploitive way and it wasn't like in a really sexy way either. It was just and she's like, I'm gonna do the movie, but I need to get my tits out. And they're like, Alright, Joy, whatever. Just, just <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't appropriate Duncan Flaster nudity. No, no, no absolutely not. No. Okay, no. that's my question then. Where would Duncan Flaster have put nudity in the in Terror Train? Oh, we would have gotten rid of those yellow panties right away. <laughs> okay. Right at the top, Kenny's getting naked. Okay. Okay. Getting okay. wrapped up in those diaphanous curtains. Well, it's even more it's even more humiliating if it happened when you're naked. Yeah, absolutely. You're never more vulnerable than when you're naked. Fellas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, aside also, from that. Also, I would have had uh, Hart Bochner in that uh, priest costume. That would have been coming off. Yeah, yeah, of course, because he's got nothing yeah. on underneath that. Yeah, oh, and it's gonna be it's gonna be hot and scratchy. Yeah, and he'd be like, "Oh, Mo, I'm really hot and scratchy. Could you use your sexy bird wings?" Mm. 
tick, I'm always here for you, Mel. To, to I'm always my, here for you. To tickle my itch. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out that he was dressed like a parrot because Jamie Lee Curtis was dressed as a pirate. Oh, I never caught that. Well, because she's dressed for a, like a pirate for about five seconds. As soon as she gets off the train, the hat's off, the the the, the sword's gone. Everything. <laughs> she's not having it. No, no. But it was interesting to see it now and find like this LGBT subtext that had been completely lost to me. You know, both with the magician's assistant who did, and with uh. The relationship Doc between Doc and Mo. I mean, I, 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 me, I always go, I'm reading too much into it, but if we all saw it and my listeners saw yeah. that in the relationship with Doc and Mo, that I guess it's there. Yeah. I'd like to have seen, seen more of that. It could have also been more of her, uh, Duncan's nudity. But <laughs> I would have loved to have seen more of that subplot of Doc and Mo. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. My low point for this, not low point, but disappointment is that Mo is dispatched rather undramatically. For a character yeah. that I loved, and had a and had a and had a preteen crush on. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what happened when like that it, happened. It was just like the whole thing was going on with the magic show, and you know, there were people disappearing and popping up on the other side. Just he got stabbed during the show, and nobody noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a super weird reveal. Uh-huh. It, it really was because I didn't. I really didn't exactly. know he got stabbed. Yeah, take the shirt all the, the way off. Take the shirt all the way yeah. off. Better check the pants too. Just get it off. Just get it all off. Yes. Yeah. And then, You're, and then that's when I started to really suspect Doc and his love for him because he went into this like high soprano screaming. Yeah, that was scary. It was like, what the hell just happened to him? Give him mouth to mouth, or whatever. <laughs> Put your mouth on something. <laughs> and he was all the boy who cried wolf and like carrying his dead buddy through the train. <laughs> Still would sleep with him, but uh, terrible, terrible. Oh, of course, oh, of course, of course. He could be in your yeah. calendar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the high prognosis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So any final thoughts on Terror Train, boys? I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Exactly. To I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> I was kind of concerned because after you watched it, Duncan, you posted, well, that wasn't pleasant. So I'm like, oh, great. Duck is going to be a hostile guest. No, I think he no, said I- it wasn't unpleasant. Yes, that is what I said. Oh, is that what you yeah. said? Okay, I read it wrong. Words are hard Because I just wrote, sometimes. like, I wrote that it was. Like, I'm like, it It happened. Because it, it's, it's another one. It, it started, and I was kind of just, where is this going? This is, the production values are kind of iffy. And then I was really pleasantly surprised by the end of it. Yeah. 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 This is one, I used to work for a murder mystery company, doing interactive murder mysteries before everybody was doing them, and they were always huge and always elaborate, and I wrote one for them. And... 
the gimmick that I stole from this was that, you know, it was a costume party and the murderer had switched costumes and that's and the murders therefore did not occur in the order everybody thought they did. Mm. And I think in the three months that we rent, only three people caught that. <laughs> so it was a fucking great twist. <laughs> so thank you, Terra Train. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Terra Train. I didn't directly steal it, I was just inspired. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, I, I I like this movie still. It's aged well. And you know what? Of all of her horror movies, Jamie Lee Curtis says she hates this one. Really? Huh. She doesn't think it's good. I, like, I realize I you didn't get a disco sequence like you did in Prom Night, <laughs> which is epic. And yes, I do know the choreography for if anybody wants to know. <laughs> I will bust it out of conventions every now and then if the theme song comes on. <laughs> the other thing I was missing, I missed the days when horror movies had their own theme song, like some random pop song. Mm. Mm-hmm. But no, not this one. I did uh, the score on this was kind of cool. Like sometimes it was great and really like big and overblown. Yeah, which was great. Added to this, you know, when you know when the title credits in particular, when the train's coming down, you see and it's the the whistle and it's this big full orchestral thing. And other times I'm going, oh god, what are you doing? (laughs) Is that weird boing 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 song? It's uh, sound at certain points. I'm like, you're making Three Stooges sound effects. I really did like the the way that uh, anytime somebody screamed, it was also the same time the train was uh, shrieking. Yeah, that was an ongoing tag. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, well, that guy liked to toot that whistle. You know, if you got a whistle, toot it. <laughs> they might have been in a province that where screaming is not allowed. So, <laughs> I don't know. Canadian laws are really weird. They only seem to kill people whenever the train was going around that one corner. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this train just going in circles? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's apparently the same shot over and over again. Over and over. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it? No. It is. Every oh, time the no. train makes a right, somebody dies. It just is. Wow. That's deep. But you can't turn a train. No. You can only follow the tracks. No, 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 no. Because we do get we do get some long introspective discussions on you know the history of trains and the future of trains and oh trains gosh. versus Winnebago's. She's really beautiful, that old engine. They don't make them like that anymore. Thank God for little favors. You're going to see a train on the cover of Time magazine one of these days. And I'm going to be in that cab in the picture. I'll be up in the Concord and you'll be on welfare. You're digging your own grave with that shovel career was. What's the price of gas right now? Pretty soon the only way you'll get that beer can someplace is you load on a flat car. Guess who'll be driving the train. Again, I was like, what movie are we watching? Like, this is, is he getting paid by the lion? Is that what this is about? I don't know. I kind of appreciated that because you did get to know some of the, the train crew as well. And for some reason, that worked for me. Like, sometimes it'd be like, you're just really padding this stuff out. But some reason, like, all these extra characters that weren't the main victims, just these little fun little character bits made me happy. Yeah. Like, there's one guy that was like, I never touch cards. I'm a, I'm a you know, whatever, Canadian Baptist. I just made something up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Winnipeg Baptist. Uh, right. So because we got that, the guy who was all like, trains are great. And the young guy. And they're all like, you're a dick. It was, I liked it. The, the, nice, the nice black porter who, of course, had to die because he's black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the other shot that scared me. It's such a corny shot. But I remember it scared me as a kid. When Jamie Lee Curtis is still in that room and she's still asleep and you see somebody walking by her door. Oh, 
through the vent, yeah. through the grate in the door, and you see the axe, the shadow of the axe. That scared the hell out of me as a kid. I don't even remember that. Yeah, well, I'm watching it now going, why are you going past the door four times? <laughs> <laughs> he really wanted to make sure she was in there. <laughs> oh, we want to really make sure we get the axe. No, no, go back one more. We didn't get the axe. Okay, okay, now we got it, we got it, go, 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 and print. <laughs> Leave it all. Leave it all. No, I think this one holds up pretty well, and I think it's because it's got a decent sense of mystery, and it's not just, I mean, if you're in it for, the, if you're one of those horror movies fans that are in it for the gore, you're going to be disappointed, but Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking fantastic in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it made me want to know more about the people that were in it, and that you don't get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I'm happy that almost all of them have these huge careers. That mm-hmm. never happens, especially in early 80s stuff. And for me, part of me, part of that was like, and I never saw them again because maybe they were really killed. (laughs) (laughs) That's commitment to the craft. Yeah. There's still just dead bodies on that train endlessly going in circles. (laughs) (laughs) The right's coming up. (laughs) Who's next? (laughs) But we didn't even know Kenny. Doesn't matter. Train's going to make a right. All right, boys, this has been fun. So before we go, let's remind people where they can find Strapped for Danger. It is on Vimeo On Demand. Uh Uh-huh, and if they want to buy the DVD and possibly get it someday? Uh, You can go, it's uh, by Scorpio Film Releasing, and you can go to their website, which is probably ScorpioFilmReleasing.com. Probably. Yeah, 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 if you Google Strapped for Danger, it will come up as an option. And uh, like I said, the reviews have been great. I was Googling some of them, and I'm just so proud. I'm gushing with pride. It was a lot of fun. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. I can't wait to see it. And (laughs) Insert review. That was the worst thing. I hope they never listen to this show. (laughs) Oh, sorry, guys. The audio was terrible. I can't release it. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry. 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 And so where can people find out more about the both of you in general? Uh, I'm at DuncanFlaster.com. That's Flaster with a P. It's silent. I'm, I'm at uh, MarkEugeneGarcia.com, and it's Mark with a K. It's not silent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you spell it the right way, is what you're saying. Yeah, I spell K. It's K for correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, that was cute. So you guys have any projects coming up that you need to promote? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be in the One Minute Play Festival. Uh, that's happening in a couple of weeks at the new Ohio Theater. Uh, I wrote some plays for it, and I'm also going to be acting in it. Nice. And uh, a short play of mine is going up at Old uh, Library Theater in uh, New Jersey at the end of the month also. Is that the Death of a Salesman one? No. You need, no, to, tell, uh, you need to tell them about the Death of a Salesman one. <laughs> so my friend Lenny wrote this play called uh, uh, The Inside of a Severed Head, which is a uh, basically the plot of uh, Death of a Salesman, except instead of a salesman, he's a vampire hunter. And uh, we, he wanted it to be a musical, and he didn't know many people who wrote music, and I know how to do that, and so I've written the score for a musical now. Nice. And that, uh-huh. that's going to be going up. Uh, it's auditioning in February in Rhode Island, and they're going to do it in May there, and then they're planning to bring it to New York at some point during the summer, but the plans haven't been finalized yet. And as I've said repeatedly on Facebook, I'm so glad that somebody finally tapped into that 
vampire subtext that is just latently there in Death of the Salesman. <laughs> it's so, there, it's so yeah. blatantly obvious, and nobody ever mentions it. <laughs> I remember bringing it up in like intro to theater class in college, and they were like, "Shut up, put your hand." Down. I'm like, "But, but, but, okay." <laughs> and what's the tagline? Attention will be paid in blood. And to that I say, yes, <laughs> yes. And Mark, do you have anything coming up? Uh, yeah, uh, I also write musical theater, and um, one of my shows called The Holy Cows of Credence, South Dakota, is going to be part of the Gallery Players uh, Overture oh, series. nice. That is, that is playing uh, this year, so it's going to actually go up in March, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, one of my other shows had a, a part, was part of Overtures a couple years ago called Standby, yeah. and so I'm looking forward to be part of that again. Excellent. That is very cool. And, and, and. One of my favorite discussions that I had with Mark backstage at Underpants Godot was that Mark likes to write musical versions of bad horror movies. <laughs> yeah, Terry Train should be up there now, right? <laughs> oh, I would. That would be good. That would be a lot of fun. That'd be yeah, hard. Book- to, that'd be hard to do on stage, but you could make it. A, you could make it a movie. <laughs> it would. It would. No, I have. I have my list of bad horror movies I'd love to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, top of the list is Satan's Cheerleaders, and I already I know you did a podcast on that. Oh, one. I sure did. Graydon Clark is a goldmine mm, mm-hmm. of terribly good, you know, so bad they're good movies. Oh, Satan's Cheerleaders it. is great, and <laughs> and I've been secretly writing music myself for a Graydon Clark. <laughs> nice, uninvited, the one with the cat. <laughs> of course, Duncan. It's about a cat on a boat. With a bunch of coeds, but the cat is a mutant, see? And inside the cat is another cat <laughs> that he occasionally will barf out and it will run around and kill everybody and then it will crawl back inside the first cat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get Cirque du Soleil on this when we do it on stage? Yeah, no, 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 no. I saw the Evil Dead musical. They can do wonderful, and also the uh, Reanimator musical. You can do wonderful things with puppets. Okay, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get the Henson people on it. That's what we'll right. do. Oh, yes. They will be like, what? You want us to barf up a what? Okay. <laughs> it's it's basically the new little shop. Mm. We have a singing cat within a cat. I like it. Why do you have to demean my work like that? I didn't demean your work. I didn't mean like, well, standby is like, you know, whatever. That other airplane musical. I got nothing. I got nothing, you guys. This has been a ton of fun, guys. Thank you. Finally. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. This was an agonizing process. <laughs> These guys' schedules are super busy. And then when we had technical problems, I was a mess. I was, was a mess. I was. He was, but I'm glad, I'm glad it finally happened. I have recordings of me sniveling, which probably will, I will also include in bonus material for the <laughs> Patreon people, which is another reason to subscribe, folks. Anyway, thank you, guys. It has been brilliant having you on. And before you go, keep it creepy. <laughs> Say goodbye. Goodbye. Mark. I said goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I'll fix that post too. Yeah, make it a right. We're out of here. So, since we don't have any voicemail for this episode, because it is a guest episode, that's going to wrap things up for this time around. Now, now, before we go any further and wrap things up, I just want to say that in the interim since I recorded the interview, and right now, I got my copy of the DVD for Strap for Danger. But unfortunately, with 
everything that's been going on, with the hours that I've spent on the phone, with the various credit unions and credit cards and banks and sitting in the police department, I have not had the opportunity to watch the movie yet. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I'm in the right frame of mood. Mind for it, rather. I'm not sure I'll appreciate it properly right now. But when I get to it, I will be giving special focus on the show. Maybe that's what I'll do in February. Since I already recorded this part and I'm sticking this part in later, I'm a mess this month, okay? I'm a fucking mess. This whole episode has been a jumble, and I apologize for that. But anyway, Stratford Danger, I got it. It's in my hot little hands, and I'll be watching it soon. And when I have my opinion on it, you're going to get it all up in your ear holes. Like I said beforehand, I didn't stick to my normal format for discussing the movie that we chose. And I apologize to Steve, uh, patron Steve, whose choice this was, for not doing what I normally do. But I hope you guys think I did a good job. And yes, maybe I didn't go through the plot as intricately as I could. But as I was listening to it this time, as I was editing, I had to say that I'm okay with that because I think, even though we spoiled the ending for some of you, if you didn't skip ahead, and now you know who the killer is, I still think this is a great, fun, watchable movie, and now there's a few more surprises for you when you watch it. So I hope you enjoy that. The other thing I want to say is that immediately after we finished recording, Duncan found an article that was an interview with Derek McKinnon, who played Kenny Hansen in Terror Train. And it talks about all of the things that we had surmised on our own, that there is a whole missing subplot, a missing LGTB subplot. And some of the controversy that happened on set and how things played out. And Duncan said, oh my God, we could have done an entire episode just on this article alone. Which brings me to my next point. As I've said on previous episodes, I have added all new levels of Patreon perks. And one of the perks that I've added is that when possible... Uh, well, once a month I'm going to do this anyway, but when possible, I am going to have a roundtable session via Google Hangouts, I think, because I can't figure out Discord. If anybody knows how to use Discord, please contact me. I need a tutorial. But anyway, have a roundtable discussion, hopefully with my guests, and you can have a direct Q&A with them about anything you want about movies or the movie we talked about or what's going on with their project. But we are going to have a roundtable in March about this whole missing gay subplot to Terror Train. And I believe that's a, a, a level three or four subscription normally. But for this time and for this time only, just to wet your whistle, and since I think it's an important topic, I am going to open that up to all Patreon subscribers. So if you're a patron... Keep an eye on your feed because you'll get information on when that happens once I get everything scheduled with them because they're both very super busy boys. And I would like to have them both on to talk about that because they're both very excited to talk about all this new information with Kenny McKinnon. So you're saying, well, what are you talking about? What's this Patreon business? Well, Patreon is a way for you to get involved with the show on another level while supporting it at the same time. It's a subscription service. You know, there's a certain dollar amount 
you can pledge to the show every month, and there are different reward tiers. And J- Smoochie just jumped up on my desk like a crazy cat because, like I said, she's been super weird lately, and now she doesn't want to eat. All she wants to eat is treats, and I know I'm being abused, but that's neither here nor there nor right now. No, Smoochie, I'm talking about Patreon. This is not a good time for your shenanigans, shenaniganizing, shenanigunning, whatever you want to call it. Oh, God, please hold. Okay, cat crisis dealt with. Now back to Patreon. What's going on is now, now I'm in the past. You sign up for Patreon. You get the monthly video newsletter with all the inside scoop and what's going on before everybody else knows. And pledge a little more. And you get two bonus episodes a month. Now, there are additional tiers where you can get all kinds of, like I said, this special Q&A session. Uh, roundtable session with my guests, just us, just hanging, just talking, like not us doing a show, but you actually being involved with the conversation. There is a level where you can pick the movie, like Steve did, and I believe listener Chris is on that level as well, so Chris, I'm gonna, you need to tell me what movie we got to talk about, where you get to pick the movie that I do and the guests. If I can get those guests, I will get those guests for you. If you really want Doug Shapiro to talk about a scary movie, that's never going to happen. But I can try. I can try, right? I can try. I can fool him. Ha ha ha. No, I would never do that to Doug. That would be terrible. There is a level where you can even take that further. Not only can you pick the movie, but you can be the guest on the show when we talk about that movie. And finally, there is a level where if you dare... To subscribe at this level, you will in fact get a tiara for real. If you're going to become a part of the show at that level, bitch, you deserve a goddamn tiara. Will anybody be a taker? I don't know. But you know what? If I don't offer it, I'll never find out. Am I right? Of course right. So now that I got you hooked, you're saying, Patrick, how do I become a patron? Well, it's really easy. What you do is you go over to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Scream Queens. Pick a level and join the show in a whole new way. Become a super duper Scream Queen. I mean, you're super right now, but you could be super duper, if you know what I mean. Oh, and hey, next up, we're going to be having... Since it's a solo show, we're going to be doing listener voicemail. So if you've got something that you want to say, if you didn't, you know, whatever. If you got a movie that you were dying to tell me about or you want to put yourself up against the firing squad or whatever you got to say. You got a problem with something I said. You want to pick a fight with one of my guests. You want to marry one of my guests. Whatever. You can pick up your phone and you dial 917-720-2047. Or if you're more old school, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com and as always that's queens with a z you can find me on facebook by doing a search at scream queens the podcast where horror gets gay you can find me on twitter at scream queens and i'm on instagram at scream queens podcast so follow me follow me follow me follow me down the yellow brick road jarthy but just know i'm probably gonna take your shoes because let's face it they go with my tiara right Damn right. So what's coming up on Scream Queens in the next few episodes? Uh, I still haven't figured out this damn software because uh, that, that that's going to help with a lot of the sound problems that we had this time, like clipping and, and hissing and, and stuff, the things that have been happening uh, lately that have been driving me crazy. I've been distracted.
thanks to Mr. Paul Kennedy. I want to spend some time getting back to basics, taking a course in it, and learning it from square one, rather than trying to do, like, individual tutorials. So, the first episode in February, I think, is going to be a bit of a shorter one. Yeah, it's always a shorter one, but this might be a particularly short one. I'm going to be talking about an audiobook that my friend Kitty Hendricks just did the recording for, and it's called Bite Club. Not Fight Club, Bite Club. A West Hollywood vampire story. So it's super gay. I'm about halfway through right now. So far, it's very dry and very funny, and I'm getting a big kick out of it. So Kitty's going to be on the show to talk about that just a little bit. And I haven't done a book before, so I don't know how that's going to go, but that's where it's going to be. If another movie happens to crop up that we're dying to talk about, I will tack that on as well. But for the second show in February, for the very special interview with a guest episode, I'm going to have two very special guests on. There's a movie that's out right now, an independent movie that is getting fantastic reviews, a horror movie called The Moosehead Over the Mantle. And we're going to be joined by the director, Jesse Gata, and also one of the stars, and also former co-star of mine in the Underpants Godot and the Ryan Case 1873, for those of you who have been around forever. We're talking about Jesse Gata, and we're talking about the gorgeous actress Alyssa Simon. So I'm very excited about that. But what movie are you going to talk about? Oh, we're going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite all-time movies. The Bad Seed from 1956, I believe. And it's going to be a great time. So I have no idea what else is going on in the world right now my and, and what's coming up in the future. So I think it's a great time to wrap things up. And just remember, be careful who you're nice to, okay? Don't let yourself become a victim like I had done. If I had done a little research, if I had followed my gut on this one instead of my heart I wouldn't be in the situation I would be in right now don't do that make it to the final reel don't ever 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 trust Paul Kennedy if you know him call the police for me please thanks let him know let them know where he is they're really interested in him right now so until next time my beautiful 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 screamers oh god I love you so much just Continue to make the world a creepier place and never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final real baby. Because you're better than that. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>